Hi, this is Eric Bazilian from the Hooters, and you are listening to No Good Music. special guest with us today he's a singer songwriter multi-instrumentalist arranger and producer and he's a founding member of the great band the hooters let's all welcome to no good music eric bazillion and the crowd Thank you. <laughs> so where where did you say you are are you near philly i mean i mean yeah i'm in the my studio, which is in my backyard and outside of Philadelphia and oh, okay. at an undisclosed location. Yeah, 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 yeah. We didn't mean it gives us the address or anything. Where, where, <laughs> I, where I make I make lots of no good music. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you must no good music. <laughs> That's good. Hey, uh, I was I was reading up on your history. I noticed something about your father's name. It's the his yeah. surname. His surname is Bazillion. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, it and is, so, as, was, as was my grandfather's and his father before. Well, actually, maybe his father before him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I find it an unusual name. And so that's why I'm asking, uh, you know, because because you could make that up as a stage name. You know, it's a great stage name. People have told you that already. <laughs> Bazillion. I mean, you know, um, people tell me that, but they don't have to they don't have to live with the misspellings and mispronunciations. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I was I was just uh, asked uh, Alexa. I said, uh play me Eric Bazillion. And she said, Eric Brazilian, you know, so she put an R in it. Yeah. 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 Alexa did. I didn't. In fact, <laughs> funny, funny. I was just checking um, a song credits on Spotify on a song that I wrote and there it was Brazilian. Was, oh, wow. and, and, and Alexa gave me only one song and that was Cindy Lauper's uh, girls just want to have fun. That's what she. So it's, it has an R in there somewhere on that, which one. was written by Robert Hazard. Yeah, it was written by Robert Hazard. Yes, except yeah. for the guitar riff that starts the song, which I wrote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Well, but, Alexa gives you credit for that. <laughs> thank you. At least somebody does. <laughs> hey, um, you graduated from Germantown Friends School. Is that uh, is that true? Yeah, that is yeah. absolutely true. Yep. And I find that interesting. And so uh, were you on campus or was your family living nearby? In other words, did you live kind of live on there with uh, other students? Uh, it wasn't a boarding school at all. Oh, it wasn't. I mean, it okay. was, it, no, Germantown Friends School. It's, it's actually it's a very special place. It's right in uh, it's in Germantown in, mm -hmm. in, in Philadelphia, yeah. which is kind of it's the hood. Um, mm -hmm. It's a very uh, part of very historical, some great old buildings there. Yes. and. Um, but they've really remained a part of the community to the point where doors aren't locked. Um, it's, yeah. it's an open campus as opposed to 
the schools out here in the in the mainline suburbs, which ha, you know are heavily guarded and um, and surveilled. But the Germantown Friends is really um, you know have they have a great a great relationship with the surrounding community. They're a, a big part of it. Yeah, a, a lot of the students are for, are from the community, and um, I, I I loved it there. I still I still love it there. I go back there every opportunity. That's great. For our, our listeners who don't know, the Friends are also the Quakers. Is that correct? Yep. yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Some yep. people don't know that and uh, and such. I, I visited a Germantown Mennonite uh, church that might be nearby <laughs> there, right there in uh, Germantown. Yeah. That was years and years ago. Don't recall too much. OK. So, so you know the neighbor. Yeah. That that's a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. So I just want to confirm that because I found that uh, some interesting uh, detail there. Students, students, tra- some students travel a great distance to that school. I mean, I, when I was there, there were kids who would have to travel an hour each way. Yeah. Because because it's worth it. It's a really special nurturing place. I got there. I was a hopeless case and they, they really <laughs> helped, they helped me fix myself up. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were fortunate to live nearby. Is that what you were saying? We lived, I lived fairly nearby. Yeah, it was a twenty-minute mm-hmm. walk. You know, fifteen minutes on the yeah. on the trolley. Yeah, then and the name going back to to the name, uh, it's it's it is an unusual name. Uh, um, Armenians think it's Armenian, which it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> M- most Armenian names end in IAN. So I, I, I I've gotten to the point where sometimes I'll just say, "Yeah, I'm Armenian," and you know just, they'll say, yeah. "Ask me a question in 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 Armenian," and I know the answer <laughs> in Armenian, and then I'll let them. <laughs> Let them think what they want, but it's it, yeah. But it's not Armenian. My grandfather um, was a Lithuanian Jew who came over in 1912. The name may have been Basilani in 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 Lithuania before. And there's a whole story that I that I got from a Turkish taxi driver in Stockholm regarding where the name yeah. may have originally come from. But we don't need to get into that here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some possible truth <laughs> from the taxi driver. You just have to have to weigh it out, huh? Yeah, <laughs> he may have been right. I did some yeah. research and it mm-hmm. actually kind of made sense. Yeah, that's good. Good. So Bazillion is just easier to say. <laughs> it's easier to say than Basilani. Yeah, uh, for most my, people. My cousins in my, yeah, for most people, my, <laughs> I actually have cousins in, well, they were in Russia. They they moved to, uh, they left Russia because of the, uh, the Ukraine war, uh, moved to Jerusalem in um August and well, you know what's happened now. So yeah, yeah, they've wow. they've had a rough, but but the, but they they pronounce it Basilian, which I think mm-hmm. way cooler. At one point, I thought maybe I was going to legally change my name to Basilian, but without changing the spelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, Basilian. Yeah. <laughs> how would you? I don't know how you would do that. Yeah. <laughs> how you make people say Basilian? Yeah. yeah. Are you sure? Or, or Basilian? Basilian. Or Basilian is just as. <laughs> you could have gone by one name, Baz. Just call me Baz. Well, yeah, I, I could. Well, that's what most my friends from high school mostly call me. That. So oh, there okay. you go. Getting back to a nickname. <laughs> yep. Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna start. We're gonna go way back. Yeah. Your, to your <laughs> first. Okay. Correct me if I, I'm wrong, but your first band was the Limestones, and you were. Woo! Yeah. Ten years old. Ten years old. Is that correct? Yep. And you formed yep. a, a band, and you were inspired by another band at the time. So I don't know if you can tell us a little bit about that. I didn't even touch an instrument till I, you know, I don't know, until mm. I was eighteen or something. So that's fortunate. 
My first band was called The Limestones, uh, which was inspired by uh, another band that was originally called uh, called The Quarrymen. Yes. Yeah. And then went on to become The Beatles. There you go. Quarrying The Limestone. Yeah. So you, you saw That's The it. Beatles on Ed Sullivan? I did. I was one of those millions of boys that saw The okay. Beatles and said, I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, and I did actually see the Beatles twice live. Oh, really? Oh, oh that's great. Yep, and they were good. Yeah, they could were you hear great. Them? There's yeah. a reason they were. The, yep, you could hear them. You could see them. They were great. They played great. They sang in tune. Oh, that's awesome! In and out. Boom. That's good to hear because yeah, a couple of people we interviewed said they you couldn't hear the band over the screaming girls, thousands of but... screaming girls, but you still were able to at your point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, both places where I saw them, I just happened to get lucky. Yeah. You know, the first was at the Baltimore Civic Center uh, in August or September 64, and then um, uh, JFK Stadium just a few days before their final show at Candlestick Park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> I don't know that we've uh, talked to anyone who's seen the Beatles, and it was... Uh... Yeah, audible. <laughs> so that's great. That's a, well, that's, a well, we did, that's a great experience. Well, we did talk to one guy who was there with the Beatles. His name's Ivor Davis. Yeah, and he. Oh yeah, he wrote, yeah. He yeah. followed them, a reporter, and yeah. uh, from from the but UK. But that's a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, when you were sixteen, you um, were in a band called Evil Seed. <laughs> yes, I was. I nice was. Name. What music? I'm sure there was bands that inspired you, especially the Beatles. Sure. What, what were you listening we were, to? Like, then? At that point, I mean, aside from the Beatles, which, you know, we were all still com- totally inhabited by, we were sort of more in the vein of the, the, the blues rock bands, like Cream mm-hmm. and Hendrix and yeah. Jeff Beck. Yeah. You know, that, that sort of thing. A lot of guitar solos. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a great band. It was my, 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 my best friend Bernie, Bernie Bornstein, who's I was at his house when we saw the Beatles mm-hmm. on, on Ed Sullivan, and um, we decided to jo- to start a band. He couldn't play anything at that point, so we figured uh, he'd play drums. Yeah, <laughs> um, and um, he did in the Limestones. But by the time we got around the Evil Seed, he had become a bass player, and he'd become a really good bass player. And you're playing and what? So he and I, band? I'm oh guitar. Okay. Absolutely. I mm-hmm. at first my first thought was I wanted to play bass, but uh, it was it was much harder to find a a um, competent guitar player than it was to find somebody who I could say put your finger here when we do this part of the song, put your <laughs> finger here when we play that part of the song. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a D. This is and a... it turned out. I, yep. Yep. And it you know it turned out I had a bit of an aptitude for the guitar, so mm-hmm. you know by the time I was. 12, 13, I was, I was all up in guitar. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I put 10,000 hours in probably by the time I was 14. Wow. <laughs> and the evil see, we also, we had a great drummer um, uh, who actually in retrospect was not, not dissimilar to David Wasikin and our uh, drummer in the Hooters. The first time he sat down to play with us, we all just went, wow, that's <laughs> our guy. And then we had a, we had a singer, a singer who played rhythm guitar and wrote most of the songs who mm-hmm. was an amazing singer. He had a voice like, like he could do all four Beatles. He was Stevie Wonder. He sounded kind, really kind of like Paul Rogers. 
I think mm-hmm. was probably the closest comparison. But uh, he unfortunately had some personal mental issues that didn't yeah. didn't work well, and uh, that band broke up when I was seventeen, and then he he passed away some years later. So that yeah. never happened. In seventy one, you met Rob Hyman, who is your partner. Boom! Yes. Uh, Mm-hmm. At the University of Pennsylvania, <laughs> my partner in crime. Yeah, <laughs> and I take I it you you guys were in several bands before the Hooters until you got to call the band the Hooters. Mm-hmm. And well, when I met Rob, I met Rob in 1971, and he had he had a band called Wax okay. in Philadelphia, which I had actually seen a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I saw one time I saw them open for the Birds, and then I also saw them open for John Mayall. They'd been written, they'd gotten some press. They were, their star appeared to be rising and, and they were very good. I wasn't crazily, crazy impressed with members of the band, but Rob was very mm-hmm. noticeable as a, as a great keyboard player. And obviously he was the one holding the thing together. By the time I met him, the band had lost their guitar player. They had two electric pianos, two drummers, a bass player and a singer, and obviously mm-hmm. needed a guitar player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is an, sounds like in the age of going big here. <laughs> you know, big with, yeah, big sound. rock and roll. Yeah, the rock and roll, big sound, you know, the who. <laughs> Everything getting bigger, yeah. Two drum sets. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, know how, I don't know how big you could get with two electric pianos. Oh. <laughs> 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 so did, did the band, you said Wax, become the Hooters or... Was there different well, transitions Wax, until you got to that point? Oh, there were there were transitions. So Wax, yeah. Wax basically broke up at the end of 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 the school year, my freshman year. We played a few gigs in summer, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't happening. You know, we were trying to play Jersey bars, you know, and we're playing, you know, these original, you know, epic uh, muso prog suites. <laughs> And uh, when we did do covers, it was roundabout and, you yeah, know, yeah, yes. uh, that's, uh, yes. that sort of thing. And yeah. we even tried, to, we, I think we did Sugar Magnolia by the Grateful Dead, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but, but we just weren't, we weren't meant for the busy bar scene. So we, yeah. we stopped doing that. Rob uh, and uh, Rick Chertoff was the drummer at band. Okay. Um, Rob and Rick graduated, graduated that year. I still had three years to go. So they they made an executive decision. Uh, Rick's decision was that he was not going to be a drummer anymore, which was mm-hmm. probably a wise decision, but that he was going to be a record producer and an A&R for a major label. Mm-hmm. And within a few months, he had a gig for Clive Davis. He wow. was an A&R guy for Clive Davis. Mm-hmm. Within his, I, As the story goes, his first week, he found the song Mandy for Barry Manilow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but it was called... It was called it was called Brand as written, and Rick said, no, it should be called Mandy. Oh, it was Brandy. It was Brandy, and Rick said, nope, it's Mandy. So no, he, it flows he, much he better. It was his first act, his first act of A&R heroism, of which there were many. <laughs> um, and the idea was that Rob and, and David, the singer, would were going to write songs, write songs, write songs, mm-hmm. and ha- have a duo called baby grand rob was going to be the keyboard player and david the singer mm-hmm. and in the meantime we all stayed in touch we hung out rob and i would get together and just jam because we loved doing that and did it really well mm-hmm. for me it was amazing i mean he was the first 
the first player that I ever really felt I felt at my match with, as mm-hmm. you know, as, as in terms of of um, I don't want to say virtuosity, but yeah. um, yeah, I'll say could, virtuosity. Yeah, the music to keep up with each the other. The musical flow. Yeah, or feed right. off we can each you know other. really inspire each other. Yeah, yeah, yep, and push each other. Right. I mean, we sometimes we would you know jam for an hour and look up and go, what what happened? <laughs> <laughs> where where did yeah. where did we go? That's good. Um, and, and, and then and, yeah, and sometime uh, during my senior year, uh, Rick, who was working for you know for Clive Davis at Arista Records, signed Baby Grand to Arista. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I graduated and pretty much went straight into working with them on the Baby Grand album. They invited me to come in as a a, a band member. Mm-hmm. You know, they had they, mm-hmm. they had written the songs and my job was to play guitar and to arrange the songs, you know, come up with the cool instrumental break, you know, add add some rock and roll to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the name Baby Grand. I think that's got a ring to it. That's accessible. Baby it's got Grand. a ring to it. Not the most rocking ring, but it was a, yeah. it was no, a but ring. No, it's, but it's got a, a flow. So speaking of names, so people are wondering, where did the name Hooters come from? What's the oh, for women's there? breasts. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, about women's very, breasts. There's no. different meanings. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, no, it has, has no, nothing to do with We We know the all. answer, and I'm sure a lot of people do that follow you guys. Yeah, yeah, people that follow us know the answer. Oh, but yeah, here, I'll, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, um, hold on, let me let You're me find show us what a hooter is. <laughs> That's what I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what a hooter really looks like. I'm going to I'm going to play a hooter okay. right now. Yeah, yeah. Get ready. Here we go. Right. Here we go. Let me find one. Not Where a squeeze did it go? box, is it? I had so... no. That's an accordion or a concert. <laughs> uh, Mama's got a. Squeeze. Where did the hold yeah. on? Where did it go? He's I, looking I, for I, his. I hooters. made the, the mistake. I I, for... I let someone come in and and. Uh, arrange like, my, and and organize my studio Marlo, for me or, unfortunately uh, they seem to have they seem to have organized my hooter somewhere <laughs> where i can't find it for our listeners he's wandering um, the room on, uh, on video and he's looking for a, a hooter i believe I hate when i can't find my hooter. aha uh-huh. i have found a oh. hooter and here oh. we go oh a hooter uncasing <laughs> unboxing okay oh oh this is case. one of the red ones that, wow oh yes of course wow that is nice. This is Hooter, and it sounds like this. It's not coming through that great for some reason. It's not. Hold, no. Uh, where's your mic? Uh, is your mic on your lapel? Um. Oh, is it on my in my phone? It should be in here. Um. It's not coming through. Hold on. That's strange. We could just hear Let a couple switch. notes. Hold on. We just heard. Let's try. To... <laughs> yeah. There you go. How about now? Okay. Yeah. Oh, you know hear, what it is? I can hear the room yeah. though. Okay. Yeah. So you have a handheld keyboard that you are now about to put to your mouth. It is called a melodica. That is what what okay. um owner calls it. Let's try it now. All right. Before I had hearing aids <laughs> and now now I don't. Okay. No. Hearing that? No. No, no, it's still it's weird. I wonder, it's if it's overloading. I wonder if it's overloading. That's oh, too, you mean too loud? Yeah, it's too loud yeah, and yeah, it's compressing. Yeah. yeah. I did. I've tried three different things. In the, uh, I don't know. Well, that's, hold on. Let me go to stand. I'll go back to standard on the. Um, or go, go, to the, go to the back of the room. <laughs> <laughs> go away. <Yeah. laughs> 
No, still can't hear it. Nothing. No? Uh, Nothing. That's odd. No. Easy. Wow. Well, at least we can see what, what let's, Yeah, but our listeners. Well, can. yeah, but that's, that kind of sucks. Let me <laughs> well, try no, this. I'll put that on YouTube. Yeah, let's. <laughs> I still let, let, that. We'll hey, know um, what it is. I'm going to get off. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try this on the computer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's try this on okay. the computer. No problem. We'll wait for you. Okay. No problem. Here's the beer. Here's the acid test. Okay. Let me, original sound for musicians on. Up. Uh, here we go. Ready? This is going to do okay. it. Okay. Sound of a melodica, a.k.a. the Hooter, as played by an original Hooter. Yes. Yeah, yeah. all right, got it. Finally. <laughs> it's good to see a man with his mouth on a Hooter. Uh, <laughs> Can't get enough of that. I couldn't. I couldn't resist. That's great. Now, now, did is that? Where did the name Hooter come from? I mean, did because you hoot on it? Was who, that who, 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 was it another? Did you give it that name, or did it we, also have that uh, name? So we were listening to a lot of reggae when we were when we were conceiving of the Hooters. You know, we started mm-hmm. as a ska and reggae band because we'd seen Madness and we were big reggae yeah. fans, mm-hmm. and there, was, yeah. there were no American bands doing that at the time um and one of the artists that we really liked was was augustus pablo and basically what he did was play melodica jam over existing tracks and we thought it sounded cool and i had some friends uh, uh, friends that had a band that i was working with i was producing them and writing them Mm -hmm. and they had a melodica so we borrowed it Mm -hmm. and um we were doing our first uh, our first demo recordings, and we had a, an engineer friend who had some some sound equipment and knew how to run it. And uh, when we pulled pulled the melodic out, he said, "Let me get a level on that hooter." There it is. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, from then on, it was known as a hooter. Okay. And at the time, we were looking for a, a band name. We wanted a name that was um, there was a plural noun. So everyone in the band could say, I am a, a being, yeah. a Rolling Stone. <laughs> yeah. a Something that was not a common household object, like I am a chair, I am a shoe. Yeah. I am the national. Yeah. Uh, and it took, you know, 24 to 48 hours before one of us, I don't know which of us, realized that a Hooter was not a household object and that the name the Hooters <laughs> would be kind of like, cool, like the Whalers. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Hooters. <laughs> yeah. And, it, it, you know, it got enough of a reaction from people, it was, you know, the reaction was either, wow, that's really cool, or, man, that sucks, you can't call your band those, mm-hmm. which we loved. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> only, only if, only if Frank Sinatra said no. Now, did the yes, restaurants exist at the time? No, restaurants okay. did not exist at the time. Well, you guys didn't get my Spell Tap reference, did you? Your what reference? No, Spinal Tap. No, Spinal no, tap. I'm sorry, I didn't. Oh, well, when you say, well, you should see it. But when you said, yes, I can, I said, uh, yes, I can, if if Frank Sinatra says it's okay. Yes, I can, if Frank Sinatra says it's okay. Now you've got yeah. to see Spinal Tap. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's like, uh, no, we have. I'm no. just, I'm not good with movie quotes at all. Yeah. Oh. I, oh, oh, I haven't seen Spinal yeah. Tap in like 10 years, but <laughs> it's new for me, which is nice every time, you know, I watch <laughs> It's a good moment. It's a good moment in the no, movie. Oh, anyway, yeah. Um, you get back to to the name and the restaurant. 
uh, the band formed in 1980. I'm not sure when the first Hooters restaurant opened uh, in Clearwater, Florida, but it was after that. And we um, we got wind of it, I don't know, 83, 84, and we thought, well, it's kind of cool, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What harm can it do? Well, it was great. In fact, it was really great when we played in Tampa Bay and and the Hooters girls came to see us. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. They were real friendly. <laughs> They were real friendly. They were really nice. We actually had a nice, nice hang, and we stayed in touch with them for a mm -hmm. while. We 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 hung out every time we 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 uh, play in Florida, as friends, of course, and nothing else. Thank God. But um, <laughs> you didn't marry a Hooter, right? No, <laughs> no, no, I, I I didn't. Something like something like that um, could, could never end well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it was cool for a while. Then you know, then the restaurant became bigger than the band and yeah. they had hotels and airlines mm -hmm, right. and it was kind of like oh boy yeah and then you know when the internet happened and you'd google you know the hooters well yeah get, first thing you would get would be breaths then you'd get the restaurant and eventually we'd be somewhere <laughs> on the third or fourth yeah. page i think we come up pretty quickly now i was driving to work and uh i think this was last year and uh which is from the lehigh valley down towards philly and uh, there you were on the on the board. It said the Hooters, and it was orange. There was orange banner on top and bottom. It was the theme was orange. Yeah, just want you to know that, that it, someone someone planned that out there. Little little recognition. Oh, it was it was a, a billboard for the Hooters. Oh, was it for our show in Quakertown? Yeah, right, it was in Quakertown. It's halfway between Lehigh Valley and Philly's Quakertown. It was actually driving on three hundred nine. Yeah. And there, but I, I thought it was ironic. I thought it was uh, interesting that there would be that much uh, Hooter orange. Yeah, it was a Halloween show. You know, it's yeah. well, it's interesting because you know we put out an album this year, and the artwork actually has some orange. <laughs> yeah, 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 it works. Uh, um, we've made our peace with it, with, with the <laughs> restaurant, with the name. Yeah, okay. you know, it is what it is, and yeah, um, yeah. I think we will outlast all other other Hooters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's change gears here a little bit. In 83, you got the opportunity to work with a up-and-coming new artist, and her name is Cindy Lauper. And fun. this was through your, your friend Rick Chartoff. And I read that you guys were maybe broken up at the time, the Hooters, and he kind of got you guys back together to do this. Well, we were taking a break. Yeah. Okay. We had sort of... Uh, we had sort of plateaued locally, and uh, mm -hmm. the path ahead wasn't really clear. Mm -hmm. okay. You know what we needed to, to get to the next level, and then the Cindy thing came along. So it was like, yeah. you know, we're we're, we're going to take a break mm -hmm. and uh, do the Cindy record, and then see what happens. And, and ironically, just around the time Cindy, we were finishing up with Cindy, we got offered a couple of really good gigs, and we thought, let's let's see what happens, and we. Mm -hmm. had, we made some personnel changes in the band, ruffled mm -hmm. some feathers, but I think in the long run it was the right thing to do. Uh, and we were hooting again, and have yeah, hooted pretty much ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, your your first album I saw sold a hundred thousand copies, which isn't too shabby, I'd mm -hmm. say, for like a local band, yeah, Amore. Mm -hmm. I think it was it was more like a hundred and fifty, but yeah, it was pretty okay. awesome considering it was local. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then in 84, this is the year after Cindy's album came out, you got signed to Columbia Records. Mm -hmm. And yep. now, was it because of your your friend, um, 
Rick, that you got the di- like? How did that come? Up? Or was it because of this album of Cindy's, which has sold sixteen million copies? I don't know what it sold at at the time, or if that's you know overtime. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, you know, so you would think that having been a part of this epic, um, amazing album, the fact that it sold. 150,000 copies of a record with no label. The fact that we were selling out the Tower Theater mm-hmm. yeah. in Philadelphia. Been there. Mm-hmm. That the record companies would have been beating down our door. Yeah. They weren't. Uh, I don't know why. I have a few guesses, one of which involves the fact that we were in Philadelphia. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the major labels were pretty much all based in New York at that point. And you had a better chance of getting seen and signed if you were in Idaho than if you were in Philadelphia. Wow. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia you, was yeah. just like the, 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 the poor cousin. Yeah, yeah. Then you're, yeah, you're too close, but you're not in, right? Right. Like if we'd yeah. been in Athens, Georgia, like, boom, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll come down to Athens. And, <laughs> you know, but, you know, Rick at this point was um, uh, VP of A&R at Columbia. Um, he had... He had some cachet there, and he said, we're signing these guys, and, and they did, and we did, and um, the rest is kind of history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, I have the album here. Here it is. For our listeners, uh, yeah. showing the Hooters album from, uh, <laughs> is it 1984? Is that right? Yeah, 85. I think so. 85, yeah. yeah. And I, I remember, that's when I fell in love with, the Hooters. Um, yeah, good memories. With, and and we danced. I I woke up this morning with that song in my, my head. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's one of those songs. And it's a good thing because sometimes, you know, <laughs> you wake up with a song that yeah. you don't want in your head. Yeah. She could dance all night and shake her paint off the wall. I always found the lyrics unique and and I think um you said 85 I was yeah. like 20 but the the line she could dance all night and shake the paint off the wall <laughs> that like got that like stood out to me and and even the cool. the video you you guys look like a fun the song just kicked in and didn't yeah. let up we are a fun band you know we when we um when we transitioned from Baby Grand to, to the Hooters, we made a conscious decision that we were going to be a fun band. It was mm-hmm, going yeah. to be a party. Mm-hmm. We were going to dance. It was going to be up-tempo. We'd have the occasional ballad thing, but really like mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah. All the time. I think that is a conscious decision you have to make because you could do more of the other. I mean, you know, there's, there are a lot of serious bands, you know, take their music and their lyrics seriously. And it's a different... Uh, Different party went at the concert, right? Yeah. And it, I think at some point in the late 80s, we lost the plot a little bit and we did slow mm-hmm. down and we did get mm-hmm. a little more serious and 
and took ourselves a little more seriously, which was not necessarily a good thing. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, those records, One Way Home and Zigzag, which pretty much did our career in the United States, were what brought us to Germany and Scandinavia and why we can still tour those countries every year and have mm -hmm. a great time and make some money. Yeah. So the, in those countries, you uh, you were more well known. You're saying you've got you've got fan base there. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. outside of Philadelphia, uh, in the United States, we're kind of like uh, considered a one hit wonder. Mm -hmm. You know, even on this tour, we, we did this. You know, this summer with. Rick I think Greenfield. you're two or three, <laughs> not one. You know, day by day, <laughs> two or three hit wonder. All you. I was counting, and I think there was uh, six or seven songs that got radio play uh, from that album in uh, 1985. Yeah. Well, there were four singles. It was uh, okay. Uh, All You Zombies was the first single, mm -hmm. which I think peaked at number 57. But people knew it. It it, yeah. it made some noise. Mm -hmm. And then and we danced, which peaked at I think number 21. We never mm -hmm. didn't even crack the top 20 with that. But we got to play those songs at Live Aid. Boom. Then um, day by day, no, day by day was peaked number twelve or eighteen. That didn't. I know that didn't tra crack the top ten either. And then um, where do the children go? Was the fourth single. Mm -hmm. uh, ironically, even though we never had a top ten radio hit, we had four smash videos on MTV. We were yeah. MTV's yeah. darling. We they were played and yeah, a good time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it was. So you know, we never really had the the chart success that we wish we'd had, but we did have the MTV, the MTV success. So, um, and it's funny now the when you when you look at eighties bands doing U.S. tours, package tours, where you sit on the hierarchy totally depends on how high your your biggest single charted. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I just saw um so, saw the Gin Blossom, Sugar Ray, Tonic, which I only think knew one song. Oh, I don't know Tonic. And I always get Fastball and Fastway, Max. I, oh, I think it was. No. I don't. I don't even know which yeah. one. Nineties. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Get into the nineties. Yeah, and some of them had one. Yeah, one one hit. Yeah. The Gin Blossoms had but a, funny, a couple. Like, but... Yeah, I love the Gin Blossoms. So it's funny because we have different hits in in Europe. Okay. Like Interesting. No, and we danced. I mean, we 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 st we end our set with them. We danced in in Germany just because it kicks ass and people yeah. love it. But mm -hmm. they don't know it. It was no. never a hit there. Wow. <laughs> our real hit, our our biggest hit in Germany by far was Johnny. What was that? Everyone in Germany knows Johnny B. Johnny B. Johnny, Johnny B. Don't even B. Know yeah. Johnny okay. B. That song was the beginning of the end of our career in the U.S. But it was it was top ten record in Germany. And everyone in Germany knows that song, even if they don't know who the band is. They right. often don't know. You know, we'll say, well, what is your band, uh, the Hooters? <laughs> I don't know this band. Johnny B, how much there is. Oh, yes, I love that song. <laughs> yeah. wow. That's great. Nice. <laughs> She sees Johnny B. How much 
Did you tour with Rick Springfield at any other time? That because I know you just got—that's the tour you just got off no, of this, with. This this tour we did with Rick uh, this past summer was our first U.S. tour in thirty years. Yeah, that yeah, I just I saw that. And you just wow. and you mentioned that uh, thirty years to me earlier. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, just thinking about uh, your your touring and other things that have happened? You know, because we're talking about the eighties a lot here, but uh, you know, what what about? Uh, what about 20 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, touring much or what else have you been into? Touring um, mm-hmm. Germany and Scandinavia every summer okay. since 2003. We took a break. Um, 95, between 95 and, and 2003, we didn't tour. Okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It was, wasn't really a conscious decision. We, we decided we were going to take a year or two off uh, mm-hmm. to make a record. Mm-hmm. We'd gotten a new... Uh, on, on the strength of the Joan Osborne record, which yeah. I'm sure too soon enough, uh, Rick had left Columbia and had uh, his own label at Polygram. And um, he signed us. And what was supposed to be a, a, another Hooters album turned into sort of a solo project for, for Rick and, and Bob called Largo, which was uh, some beautiful music, but um, it was not a rock band. It certainly wasn't the Hooters. So mm-hmm. um, it had... And it just became a different thing. And in the meantime, we had small children at home we were raising. And Rob was building a studio. And I was, had my studio. And I wanted to make a solo record. And one year became two years, right. became five years. And then uh, in 2001, Pierre Robert, who is a, a legendary icon mm-hmm. disc jockey in Philadelphia, yeah, I know who he is. asked us to play at his, uh, I guess that would have been his 20th anniversary 20th anniversary concert. What's mm-hmm. Yep, that would have been his 20th anniversary concert at the Spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we said, yes, of course, we would uh-huh. love to. We'll get, yeah, we'll okay. get, get the boys okay. together, dust out our, own unif- our old uniforms, and move a couple <laughs> buttons over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. We rehearsed yeah. a couple of days, got up on stage, and it was like, we all look, look, just looked at each other and what the fuck have we been thinking? Yeah. <laughs> this band rocks. This yeah. is the best band I'm ever going to be in. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, I've played with, I've, you know, we've all played with the greatest musicians in the world, but this is the best band we're ever going to yeah. have. Yeah. It's um, like riding a bicycle, still- but you all got, yeah, you all got new bicycles, but you all know how to ride them. And it just, it just went well. Yep. That's great. That's a great feeling. Uh, musicians who are listening know that feeling. Been- so that was a that was a November two thousand one. Um, summer two thousand two didn't happen, but summer two thousand three we went back to Germany, and it was mm-hmm. like we never went away, and we've just kept on going back every year since. That's that's awesome. A typical year, we play the Keswick Theater outside of Philadelphia in Glenside, PA, every November. We'll usually do a, a gig or two in the spring. And then the summer we do. Lately, we've been doing Quakertown, and then the weekend at um, uh, in Cape May. Oh yeah, nice place. And you ever played Sellersville Theater? Yeah, not the Hooters. I've done solo okay. shows there. Yeah, 
Okay. Oh, like that's, that. a, that's a small venue. That's a, that's yeah. a small venue for oh, us. 300 people. Yeah. <laughs> Very intimate. I love, yeah. I love playing there. I, I've sold it out a bunch of times. Oh, cool. <laughs> Very cool. If we get motivated to do another solo show, I'll, I will do it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about songwriting. Well, you yeah. mentioned Joan Osborne mm -hmm. and the song One of Us. It went to number four on the Billboard Hot 100. Mm -hmm. That's in November 1995. Now, did you write this song for Joan? How did you come about? How did this song come about? I don't like to use the word miraculous, but that best describes how the song came about. Yeah. Okay. Um, Met a girl on a flight to to uh, Stockholm, Sweden, from okay. JFK Airport. Yeah. Swedish girl, and we oh. we there, <laughs> and got, we um, slept together. Literally slept together. We fell asleep on each other's shoulders. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> on the plane. I slept with her. <laughs> the plane, on the yes, yeah, so um, that's as far as that went. Mm -hmm. But we exchanged phone numbers and uh, stayed in touch. And then I, I went back to the band. Went back to Sweden in. Um, uh, later that year, and uh, what happened happened, and we we uh, thought that there might be some future for. Her. So she moved to to uh, moved in with me uh, mm -hmm. outside of Philadelphia. I was home for going to be home for four or five months, making an album with Joan Osborne, who Rick had signed to his label, and we'd written a bunch of songs with her, and we were putting together, arranging them, trying to write some more songs. We were doing all of this at, uh, uh, at, uh, in the little crawl space above Rob's garage. He had an eight-track cassette, <laughs> cassette that recorder. Uh, so, yeah, so Sarah had just moved over, the Swede in question. And um, one day I walked into, I will grab a guitar to make this oh, yeah, sure. easier. <laughs> I walked into, the, into, into Rob's crawl space. Mm -hmm. As I often do, I pick up a guitar and just play whatever fell underneath my fingers. And that day it went like this. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Beautiful. Um, wow. Just a nice riff. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And then everybody went, wow, that's a cool riff. And then Rob recorded it on a, on a cassette. Um, the next day I came in, I said, wow, I... I don't remember how that riff goes. I know you recorded it. He couldn't find the tape at first. <laughs> so that that all might not have happened. But then at the end of the day, he went, oh, I, I mislabeled it. I labeled it uh, um, a mandolin riff. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so he, he played it, and I went, oh, yeah. yeah. That's really good. I kept playing it over and over again. I went over to the piano, started playing it. Joan started riffing, you know, doing her blues riffing thing over it. <laughs> And then um, Sarah, who had my car all day, came and picked me up. Mm -hmm. Went back to my, to our to my to um, my house where we were living, and we we had dinner and we watched a documentary about the making of Sergeant Pepper. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's great. It's about an hour long, and it's mostly George Martin singing at that four four channel console with the big okay. the big faders. Mm -hmm. And um, and it ended in. She said, four, four channel recording, what, what, what's that? And I said, well, that's what all those wires on what should be the dining room table are. That's a four track cassette <laughs> recorder. Oh, record something for me, she said. So, okay, I've got this guitar riff I've been playing all day. I programmed some drums and a, and a bass line into my little Sonic keyboard. 
So I made an arrangement. You know, I figured I'll start with the riff as the intro. That's cool. And then when I get to the verse, I'll just arpeggiate the changes. get to a B second and I'll do something other chords yeah twice not enough three times uh, four times too much three times six bars great mm -hmm. okay and that'll be the chorus and I put it all together recorded it on two tracks of the four on the on the port of studio and then she said well now sing it and I'm like <laughs> Got to write a chorus, get a title, then write some verses. Um, you realize that the chorus doesn't really go with the verses anymore, but you like the verses, so you change the chorus. And then you take a step back and you realize that you've kind of ruined the whole thing. And you go back to the beginning and it takes right. a long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, by this time she'd fallen asleep. And um, <laughs> I'm just kind of sitting there by myself. And by now it's like midnight and my my then five-year-old daughter's asleep upstairs so i gotta be real quiet but uh, i heard the voice of um the uh, brad roberts from the crash test dummies you know brad oh roberts. yes yeah oh, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i know that mm -hmm. yeah yeah we know mm -hmm. once there was a girl yeah. who got it so really you got you got him in your head <laughs> i got him in my head and i hear him singing if god had a name mm -hmm. so i picked up a microphone uh, not unlike yeah. this one i hit record and i sang the whole song basically wow i just wow. sang the song it just came out uh it, the verses came out then i punched in uh i played it again got to the chorus and the choruses came out i was stuck mm -hmm. for a last line just a stranger on the bus going there because he must know uh um be, being soft without a fuck, no, no. And then Sarah wakes up on the sofa and says, trying to get home, trying to get home, trying to, trying to find his, trying to find, trying to make his way home. Uh -huh. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. And that was it. Song wow. is finished. Well, went to my session the next day had a tape with me kind of forgot about it until the afternoon we took a break i said oh guys i wrote this really wacky song check it out <laughs> hit play song the, the the song ended i look around the room and there you know joan is kind of like okay can we get back to work mm -hmm. rob's like leaning <laughs> back behind his piano like oh god that's another one of eric's weird songs mm -hmm. <laughs> and rick, rick turnoff is sitting there like this and he looks up Joan, do you think you could sing that? <laughs> and he says, that's amazing. I mean, he didn't say, Joan, do you want to sing that? Because she yeah. probably would have said, eh. mm -hmm. do you think you could sing that? She's like, something to the effect of, I can sing the phone book, write out the lyrics. <laughs> so I wrote out the lyrics, showed her the basic melodies, transposed it up to F sharp, didn't have a capo. That riff uh -huh. on a guitar without a capo is impossible. But I managed to get through. We recorded it direct to tape, guitar and vocal. And when she finished, we just looked around the room and it was like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> and I hadn't had that same feeling since the time Rob and Cindy played me their first draft of Time After Time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
incredible. Yeah, kind of another like, incredible. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, I'd like to thank. Uh, I'd like to thank my family. I'd like to thank all the fans. You know <laughs> that kind of movie. right, right. So it starts with Sarah uh, asking you, to, uh, "Show me how you record on this four track." And then it ends after her little nap, <laughs> her early evening nap. Helping you with the last last line. Uh, trying to make his way home. That's that's awesome. That's a great. And story. now it still doesn't end because we're married now twenty eight years, oh, and we okay. got our kids together, and yeah, and we yeah, twenty eight years here too. So that's great. <laughs> I've been to Sweden. Oh, all right. Yeah. I've been to Sweden twice in the last four or five yeah. years. My wife loves Sweden. Never been out of the country except. Canada, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we went to Stockholm last. Um, when was it? Can't remember. Last year, year before, we stayed for three weeks in a little wow. little apartment, Airbnb. Nice. That was an adventure. Mm-hmm. Which part of Stockholm? Um, like around Ostermalm, I want to say. I'm bad with the names. Yeah. Um, we, we, I don't speak. Bought, <laughs> I speak the language. Yeah. Oh, yes. You should. So we had a. We brought my son was. Um, I think my son was eighteen. Yeah, it was probably a couple of years ago. And but he he got on the metro himself, and he we think he was trying out drinks and stuff. But you know, <laughs> we he survived. I know because you can drink. I think it's so, eighteen. Yeah, we, over there. we live there. We we have a place there now. We kind of split our time. Okay. Between there and here. Excellent. For, uh, marital balance and harmony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just going to ask if you get to Germany or to Sweden more, but I, you just answered it right there. It's more Sweden, correct? Well, we play Germany more. Okay. We we tour okay. more in Germany. I mean, we mm-hmm. uh, Sweden. Sweden's a tough place to tour. It's it's mm-hmm. far, a lot of distance to cover. There aren't a whole lot of gigs to yeah. to do there, so it's kind okay. Of, it's just like yeah, your fans are in Germany then. Yeah, I see. Yeah, more yeah. more. You, in you could probably um, do a show with David Hasselhoff. <laughs> you know, he's big uh, in Germany. You got to get the Hoff in there. Rob's got to get the Hoff in there. <laughs> got to get him in. I, I don't know if he still is. Honestly, is oh, okay. He still? Maybe the Hooters. Hoff, like maybe he's down here now, and the Hooters. Uh. Hooterhoff. Yeah. Hooterhoff and We have a different demographic. <laughs> I, I don't think we have the same demographic. Okay. No, probably not. So that, that is a great story. Yeah. That just uh that that just made the interview right there. That's uh that's an excellent story you just told. I, I love it. You cannot make that shit up. Yeah. 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 So I, I But you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I've, I've never seen the Hooters as I would say as a full band, except I saw you and Rob and it was in 2015 and it was a friend, a friend, I like to call him a friend, Pat Denizia, the late Pat Denizia. Oh, yeah, yeah. His 60th birthday um, bash. Mm-hmm. And it he was loved a party <laughs> like Suzanne Vega was there. I think Graham Parker, you know, a lot of people played. But you guys, you and Rob did one of us there. Actually, it wasn't Rob. Oh, it wasn't Rob. Who was that? Rob. I was in the back so of the it room. Was me. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was me and David, our drummer, and Tommy Williams, our, okay. uh, the sixth member that we had in 2010. Okay. So Tommy was, was probably, Tommy was playing bass, mm-hmm. and uh, Dave was playing drums. We just did it as a trio. Oh, okay. Okay. 
So you had bass and drums there yeah. with you. Yeah. So while, while you were singing this, I'm in the back of the room with a friend of mine and Pat mm -hmm. and Pat is Pat's like, you know, you know, he wrote, wrote this song. And that's the first time I heard that you wrote that song and Pat was singing in my ear while you were yeah. singing. So that was a, yeah. <laughs> Rob, you were like, kind of you're man. like, you're like, Pat, no, he didn't. Were you drinking too much? <laughs> uh, Pat never drank too much Pat. though. Pat never drank too much though. <laughs> I did. A, we did some gigs with them. I'm, you know, I, I, I miss him. He was a yeah. We weren't really close, but every time we saw, we got together, we had a great hang. And, yeah, um, he was a little great. He was a little strange to. He was a great person. He was mm -hmm. they're great to their family. I'm still, I still talk to Jim Babjack. I own a print shop. I actually print their passes, their laminated passes. Yeah, I'm still in we contact still with them. We did a gig with them in um, in Cancun last year, the year before. Yeah. Cool. Big eighties eighties weekend in Cancun, and it was the Smithereens. I don't remember whether it was whether it was um, uh, Robin Wilson. I, I forget who Robin Wilson who or singing or Marshall Crenshaw. Yeah, it uh, might have been Rob. I don't remember seeing Marshall there, so it might have been Robin. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've I've seen them either in one form or another over forty sometimes. Yeah, and, he, and, and he's, they've been to your house too. Yeah, house. I house had concert. Pat. Pat did the living room concerts for a while. Yeah, yeah. It was a little too much that day because we had my son's birthday party. My son was oh. six years old, turned six, and at night we had Pat came over, and and I got Jimmy. Jim Babjack yeah. to come, and oh, cool. I had like twenty people there. So, all right, just a couple more things, and uh, so what? What is the what does the future look like for the Hooters? Like next year, the are there any new music, <laughs> new tours, or are you taking a break again? <laughs> uh, the tour summer tour is being booked as we speak. Okay, um, like it's. Should be pretty well wrapped up by by the end of the year. I'm already getting getting messages from fans in Germany saying you're playing my hometown, yay! <laughs> uh, yeah, cool, nice. Uh, Are you touring you know, with anyone, or that you can tell us? Germany is uh, uh, is just us. Okay. Uh, basically, we headlight, we do uh, do our own shows usually during the week, and then weekends we play festivals, which we either headline or we're second or third. Mm -hmm. depending on the size of the festival uh, they like to have us at hard rock festivals okay you would think would be a weird fit but yeah when when they, when they see accordions and mandolins they kind of go crazy oh. <laughs> wow go figure they love it mm. um so it's something uh, a little different instead of yeah just just electric guitar or something yeah 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 i mean that's the whole thing you know with with you know with the hooters it's like we're not just a couple of guitars and, and a keyboard you know Lins, I play mandola, I play sax. After doing this rockin' and swing, the album that came out this year, you know, which is a ska and reggae album, mm -hmm. I'm playing uh -huh. a lot more sax again. <laughs> good, good. I really had yeah. to get my back into shape, which has really been fun. I'd kind of given up on the sax mm -hmm. after a while. I just thought that ship has sailed, but it's it's really fun to play. Uh, <laughs> it's it's challenging, but uh, there, there's the sax is. I'm having good sacks these days. <laughs> uh, now you, do you consider the Hooters an '80s 
band or do you not like that label i know some people don't because you're still no no no. i mean you're still a band so you're yeah (laughs) we're still a band and i don't think our 80s music sounds 80s yeah i mean Mm -hmm. you know right some of the synth sounds maybe the gated the gated uh, reverb on the snare Mm -hmm. is a little bit of of an 80s giveaway Mm -hmm. but i never considered us to, to yeah. fit in with the music of yeah. the 80s at all or the 90s mm-hmm. i think we're i think we're kind of timeless i know yeah. i say that without any kind of, any kind of conceit i just think yeah you know that our goal was to make music that would last well that's the thing even the well, you know like nervous night that album i put it on a couple of weeks ago and it's fresh it's still yeah. still enjoyable and I, yeah. I think so. I, you know, I, you know, I love it. I, you know, I don't love every song on it, but I think it's a great, it's a great sounding album. It's a great party album. People put it on and go, yeah, yeah. You know, even One Way Home, which you know, One Way Home's got a couple, a couple songs that are like, when is it going to end? But for the most <laughs> part, a really fun album. And it's got Carly with a K on it. And it's got Satellite mm-hmm. and even Johnny B, which is kind of. You know, kind of slow, but it rocks. And I'll tell you what, man. I've heard, I've heard, a, I've heard the sound of a hundred thousand Germans singing that song. Oh wow, that's awesome! <laughs> it's powerful. We don't even when, when unless it's our uh, our own show in the in the U.S. We we don't play that song here. Mm-hmm. People don't know it. It's just like, <laughs> like same thing with Satellite. Satellite was a top ten record in England. That's what got us on top of the pops with Paul McCartney in England, where Paul okay. McCartney walked wow. up to us. Sir Paul. Hey, you're the Hooters, aren't you? <laughs> Sir Paul. And George, yeah. same thing three months later. George is like, hey, aren't you the Hooters? Love your music, everything. You're the Hooters, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> well done. This is Ringo. Aren't you a Hooter? <laughs> Do you have one that's, that's my poor attempt. <laughs> <laughs> never got to hear. You're the, you're the bloody hooters, aren't Yeah, John. <laughs> John, never got to hear that. Yeah. yeah. You're coming up on the anniversary, though, um, of Nervous Night, which would be, what is it, 40, 40 years? Next year. Yeah. 40 years in, in, in two years, year and a half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know that's a ways off, but would there be a plan for a reissue? Because I know a lot of people are buying vinyl now and... Come out with different color Maybe. vinyl and you know we'll see you know that that sony sony still owns that album okay yeah so it's kind of up to them mm-hmm. um us to get it back so we'll see it would be yeah it would be nice it would be cool and as far as the new music goes the album you know to rockin and swing the 2023 album that was a gift we we really had no idea that we would ever make another album because mm-hmm. making an album, you know, the the longer, at least for us, the longer we've been together, the harder it it is for us to get our heads in the same place and make yeah. something new. And it's like we're not going to write a better rock song than we danced. We're not going to write a better one drop reggae than all you zombies. And we don't want to be doing lesser versions of what we've already done. What happened with this record was we wrote a really catchy ska song. We wrote "Why Won't mm-hmm. You Put Me Back." Mm-hmm. And was like, wow, we've never really had, we never really hit the nail on the head with the Scott songs. You know, we wrote a bunch of them. We was, that was our whole show, but the songs never really got to that level. And we've got one now. Let's see what else we've got laying around. Mm-hmm. So you know, we re- or let's just have fun, fun with it, and see how it yeah 
comes out party yeah. album so we, we made a party out a lot of the parts of that album came from that same four track recorder that i did the one of us oh, on. wow came from demos from the 80s i mean there's an in- instrumental ska instrumental called pete rose <laughs> there you are pete rose. i wrote it in my head while while pete rose was hitting the home run in the uh, playoffs in the ninth in 1980 that got the oh. that got the into the world I made a demo on the four track machine and we um I was able to pull the guitar and the sax from nineteen eighty one off of that and build the band around it. Oh wow. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. So, What's the name of the album the again? That song, well uh, the song that song is called the instrumental is called Pete Rose. Right. Um the the single is called Why Won't You Call Me Back, which is an interesting cool song. It's it's up tempo. Even on the on the Rick Springfield tour played it. Usually when a band uh, in a situation like that, plays a, a new song. It's when everybody goes out and gets a drink. Mm-hmm. People loved it because it's mm-hmm. up tempo and it's hooky and it's fun. And the album is called Rocking and Swing, which is grammatically a mess. But we took it from uh, an album by General Echo from 1978. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing that song, and I'm gonna—I have not heard it yet. So, yeah, we'll excellent. Pull it up on the Spotify. Rocking and Swing. Whatever your choice. Why won't you call me back? <laughs> I want you to call me back. I want you to call me back. We just have a couple more questions. Cool. Um, different questions. Different kind of questions. Yeah. If you were not a musician, uh, what would you be doing as a career? <laughs> My plan B was uh, was uh, to enter the medical profession. Oh, okay. Yeah. And in fact, I took all of the prerequisites in college. And uh, I actually, when I was 28, I took the MATS. I took the medical college entrance exam because I just thought this is my last chance to use that side of my brain before it atrophies. Let me just mm-hmm. make sure mm-hmm. that this is not what I'm going to do. So that is what you studied. You studied uh, medicine at U of Penn. I studied physics. Physics. Okay. <laughs> I liked I liked physics. I, I, I it was interesting. I was I was good enough at it to to get decent grades. Not good enough at it to actually be a physicist. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I it took all pre-med requirements. I took the MCATs. I got my results, which were pretty good, the, the same week that time after time went to number one. So it was kind of mm-hmm. like, yeah, I think I'm going to stick to what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I probably would have been, I, I like to think I would have been a pretty good surgeon because I'm good with my hands and blood yeah. doesn't really bother mm-hmm. me unless it's my own okay yeah i remember that being uh 1984 because i took a road trip 
1984 and time after time kept playing over and over again along with some other songs but uh, that's what i remember yeah well mm. I, yeah i think it peaked in 83 okay i don't know that it was a while ago wasn't it yeah, yeah it was <laughs> or i would have been sorry. a rabbi oh, okay okay I been all right a... <laughs> yes yes i would have been a, i would have been an atheist orthodox rabbi <laughs> <laughs> love that answer by the way so uh, next question, what is your absolute favorite food? And being from Philly. Oh, no, Philly. But that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that that I has enjoyed to be. Many, okay. I have enjoyed many achievements. Um, D'Alessandro's being by far the number one. Okay. Um, Charlie's Pizzeria, okay. formerly of uh, Boulevard, now in Ben Salem. By far the best pizza in the known universe. Favorite food. I, I have to temper that with the fact that for the past eight years, I've been vegan. Okay. I've been n not an orthodox vegan. My mm -hmm. kids are orthodox vegans. Mm -hmm. My wife is a reformed vegan. I'm a conservative vegan. Okay. And uh, you'd, have to, you'd have to understand the degrees of like yeah. Jewish faith to understand. But I'm in okay. the middle. But basically, I do my best. So... My favorite food now is a perfectly ripe peach. Oh, okay. There you go. You can't eat it without getting messy. Got to be the right. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've you know, it's funny because I have I have a top five of peaches I've ever eaten in my life. Wow. One of them was yeah. in Portugal on our okay ninety four. They gave us a peach that was as big as my head. We ate it for three days. <laughs> <laughs> ate for three days. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Otherwise, there's a uh, there's a there's a vegan restaurant in in uh, in uh, in Hollywood called the Crossroads Kitchen, and they make a vegan bolognese that is amazing. Mm -hmm. You would never know that it didn't come from a cow, mm -hmm. and wow. the pasta, whatever you do, the pasta is just like next level. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Now, Rob, you've got a picture. Do you have a picture of of a Philly food? Have you ever heard of a Philly taco? A Philly taco? Okay, so, so for, our is, for our listeners, Rob is going to show this thing. to the screen. Uh, it's too light. It's pretty light. Here we well, go. Here, it looks like something that... that... Dude, you <laughs> know what I guess like. <laughs> You can't even say what it looks like. It's... I can see what it looked like. That was pretty foul. It's a slice of pizza. Philly pizza. Philly pizza. Specifically from Lorenzo's. Because mm -hmm. oh, it's Lorenzo's, a... Lorenzo's, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. giant slice. Giant slice, yeah. And then you take a cheesesteak. A whole freaking cheesesteak. Um, the whole oh. thing. And you shove it. You, you, yeah. yeah it has to, the cheese has to be warm, right? You got to have. They said that, oh, yeah. yeah, the slice should be warm, you know, up yeah. against the. But we don't know how you do that out in the street because you're carrying the slice of, of Lorenzo's well, pizza. The, well, Jim's Steaks, they mentioned, is a block away. Oh. So I guess you get the pizza, run right. over there. Yeah. So this cheesesteak, this full cheesesteak is thrown on top of this piece of pizza and wrapped up and held in your hand like a taco. I'm not, I'm not sold on it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to. That's, that's a little I mean, too that much. Is so yeah. That is so filling. That is so filling. Because it's funny you mentioned cheesesteak and pizza. That's what you yeah. think of, you know. It wouldn't surprise me if, if our drummer had, had, had eaten at least yeah. one in his lifetime. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely would eat the pizza slice as an appetizer and then walk on over and enjoy my cheesesteak. There's no need to throw yeah, them together. I, I, I'd probably do that, too. I mean, yeah. in my case, I would go to 20th Street Pizza, which is a, 
a vegan pizzeria and mm-hmm. I would get a slice of their vegan margarita mm-hmm. and wrap their vegan cheesesteak in it. Yeah. And there you I go. might have to just try that. Oh, that's cool. They have they have vegan cheesesteaks. Yeah. There too. It's all oh, yeah, all vegan, great, right? Wow. There's some great vegan cheesesteaks in Philly. <laughs> Did not know. We just got Rob, Rob, we got one more question. Is that right? Yeah. All right, one more question. Okay. You're Okay, this is a little scenario here. Yeah. Um, you're going to a a Buddhist retreat. Jewish Buddhist It's Jewish Buddhism. Yeah. For 26 weeks. Not they're not mutually exclusive. Okay. Ask Lynn yeah, Cohen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, now you're going for 26 weeks, you know, six months. Very extensive. You're not allowed to have your cell phone with you. Only maybe emergencies. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a community in one of the community turntables. So you can see where this is going. And you're allowed to bring yeah. three, only three albums with you. You're going to be there six months. What are those three albums you're bringing? One of them is, uh, is, is called Auto Salvage. Okay. It's a band that put out one album in 1968 hmm. that I still think is one of the greatest albums ever made. They sort of invented, well, it was sort of prog, folk, rock, prog, blues. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sounds great. Go on Auto and on about that album. Auto Salvage. Oh. Uh, I, hold, I'm, I think I have a, comp, a copy up here. Hold on. Okay. I can show it to you. I might have brought it into the house. I just got a turntable in the house that worked. But I remember seeing another copy out here. Yep, yep, I think that's it. I'm going to move a couple mic stands out of the way. Yep, here we go. I have five copies of this. That's. Oh. What I was going to ask you if you have the original from way back or not. I'm going to have to check that. Oh, out. look at All right, so we... So for our listeners, he's showing us uh, a blue and green album, four guys on the cover, and it is one word, Auto Salvage. Yep. And it's their only album, you said, right? Um, it was the, yeah, it's the only album they made. I actually got to know, to know a couple of them many oh, years okay. later. The, the, the lead guitarist was named Rick Turner, who was okay. a guitar, became a very famous guitar builder. He builds those, those guitars that... Um, Steve Bungham plays with this those single pickup that that like tilts. Um, okay. And the, the the lead singer was a guy named um, Tom um, Tom Danaher, who um, I got to know during his life. He 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 had given up music and, and beca- became a very successful neuroscientist. Did some <laughs> groundbreaking research in neuroscience, and then um, Rolling Stone did an article on them in 2011 about the best band you've never heard of, mm-hmm. basically saying that if they, if they had been in San Francisco rather than New York, it would have been a different story, but they were yeah. in the wrong place. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm digressing. I got, I got to be friends with Tom Danaher, and uh, he made another album uh, late, much, much later in life, and I was a part of that. And, um, oh. and he, was wow. a great, he was a really great guy, and he passed away a few years ago. And his wife is trying to mm-hmm. trying to spread the word on the album that he did mm-hmm. and that I was involved in, and uh, but so so yes, first album Auto Salvage. All okay. right, never excellent. Um, Got to have a Beatles album for me. Um, it would have to be Revolver, I think. Yeah. Okay. Revolver or Rubber Soul, N- not Pepper. Sorry. Um, um, and then uh, third album. Hmm. Ah. Third album would be Sweet for Flute and Jazz Piano by uh, <laughs> okay. Claude Bolling and, um, and um, 
Jean-Pierre Rampal. You got to have a good instrumental yeah. album. So we have flute, beautiful. flute and piano. Sweet for jazz piano. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it came out, I think, 75, 74, 75. It may have been the last instrumental album to be in the, in the uh, Billboard Top 10. Okay. So uh, and, we might know something from it then, you're saying? Yeah, if you were listening to music in 1975, I mean... I just started. Like two years we were 10. Well, just started. Like nine, 10. Yeah. So, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that it might be that one, or it might be Mahavishnu Orchestra, uh, um, Birds of Fire. I'm not familiar. One of those we're going to have to check these out. Yeah. Except yeah. the Beatles, I know the Beatles. <laughs> My favorite yeah, Beatles probably would be... Not an album specifically, but the 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 blue the blue album that they just reissued, just because it had yeah, yeah that that was my introduction Beatles. to the Beatles when I was a, a kid. Cool, really? yeah, huh. yeah. yeah. I, you know, I thought about that, but that's to me that feels like it's cheating because it's a compilation. Oh yeah, just, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really like Revolver yeah. too. Yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I love I love them all. I mean, come on, it's the Beatles. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's, it's the Bible. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have one more question. I don't know. He's he's making this up off the top T of the tonight. Head. Tonight is the last concert of Kiss. How do you feel oh, about yeah. Kiss? And yeah, this might be off the record. This this might not be in the interview. We don't know. Go ahead. I, I've already got their pay per view. Is I already have it set. It's like forty bucks. So it's you know Gene and Paul could have charged a really? hundred. Or more and it's going to be live stream where am i kiss shirt here yeah my sister's <laughs> up from dallas to see the the last two shows of kiss yeah his sister's going yeah she's a big fan so what are your thoughts on what's eric's thoughts on kiss okay. so i never really did a dive into kiss you know okay. i heard you know i want to rock and roll all night and like like well that's oh it's cool it's you know mm -hmm. something for for the kids you know, uh, Beth, because that was a big hit, and I was like, oh, "Wow, yeah. that's yeah. a horror song." Yeah, that's my favorite. Um, you know, I I knew people who knew them, who worked with them, and like, um, I kept I missed a couple of opportunities to see them, so they never I knew kind of what they did, but they were never really on my radar. Okay. But then, uh, as I got to know Desmond Child in the in mm -hmm. the nineties, yep. we did a lot of work together. You know, legendary Bro, living on a prayer. There. Desmond <laughs> Child, prayer, oh, yeah, a lot of Bon really? Jovi, yes. yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Living La Vida Loca wrote wrote oh. I was made for loving you, baby. Yeah, yeah, good songwriter, um, great songwriter. We wrote some hits together. We had a great time working together. Through him, I got to know Paul Stanley a bit. Okay, and then, um, and then uh, a few years ago, I sat in on a songwriting class at NYU, and I got a um, a message from uh, sat in like as a guest lecturer, not as a mm -hmm. student. Yeah, <laughs> and I got I get a message from from Desmond saying, uh, Stanley's son is will be at the class tomorrow. You'll know him. You you will know him when you see him. Be nice to him. Mm -hmm. And of course I'll be nice. To him. He's really nice. <laughs> what are you gonna do? I mean, you know, everybody's yeah. nice for the mm -hmm. most part, unless they're assholes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, you know we went out, had lunch. We talked about music. He played me some of his stuff. He's really talented. And then that night I get an email from, from, from Paul Stanley saying, you know, thank you for, you know, being so nice to, to, uh, to Evan. And, uh, you know, I hope if you're ever in LA, we're in the same place we can meet up. 
And we sort of stayed in touch. And then I was in L.A. a few months later and we had dinner and we really hit it off because we're, mm-hmm. you know, cut from the same cloth. He's, I, we're about the same age. I think he's a year older than me. You know, we saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kiss happened to be his first band. That was like his limestones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, if I'd grown up in New York, I might have been the lead guitarist in that band. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, I finally saw them, was it last summer? Two summers ago, they were playing in Stockholm. Okay. And um, we, had just, we had just finished our tour. I had just gotten over COVID. Mm-hmm. And they were playing in Stockholm. And they had a day off afterwards. So I, I went, oh, blown away. Absolutely blown away. I mean, you can't, be a, you can't have a career like that for that long and not be good. Yeah. They were, I mean, I was astonished at how well they sang, how well they played. And I know when it's backing tracks. I can tell yeah. when yeah. it's real and when it's... Live and yeah, when it's Memorex. Right. And then uh, we got together, had dinner the next night, had a great time, great guy. And so you had dinner with, involved, with, with, with Kiss with or, or with Paul. just Paul? With Paul. Oh, okay. Yeah. With just Paul. Mm-hmm. And we sat for hours and just, you know, we had a great time. We've stayed in touch since. If I had had my about me, I would have said, hey, you know, can you hook me up for Madison Square Garden yeah. for the last show? <laughs> I kind of didn't. I forgot about it. By the time I you know, risked that it was coming up on now, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going there. I'm I don't think there's there. any, um, I don't think there's any Hooters in any of the Kiss songs. You know, a Hooter, they play. No, no, they're right. <laughs> oh, you mean the instrument? But, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or Beth, you could have done that one. I mean, I could. Well, just to go, just to go to the. Yeah. I would, would have. Oh, okay, and yeah. and uh, and Evan, his son's band is opening for it. Yeah. which I think is awesome. Yeah, I forget the name of the uh, band. It's something something wild. Um, forget the name of the band. Yeah, 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 and I'm sure they're great because because Evans really he's put in the put in the work and he's really talented, mm-hmm. and uh, I th- you know I was a, I was late to the party with Kiss, but it's a great mm-hmm. party, and I'm glad I got to come at least yeah. once. Yeah, it's possible yeah. that it's possible that it's all uh, and uh, coming to the the end tonight, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. for me, I was um, I was like nine years old, ten, so. I still love Kiss. Was, it, was, it was just different for me. Sure. Yeah. Being that young. And then I, by lick it, lick it up, I kind of, after that, I kind of lost a little interest in them until maybe 20, 20 years ago, I started getting into them again or going back and listening to the stuff I didn't, the, the older, you know, the, the albums that came out after the makeup, you know, those albums. Yeah. But I met Paul. I've met Ace, I've met Peter. And I met Paul, um, he was at Short Hills Mall at the art gallery. In Jersey. And I have an art oh, cool. piece. It's it's a, a Gili, I think they call it. Okay. And it's it's numbered and signed. Over on My the wife could have killed me because it's it, they're not, you know, cheap. Yeah, I don't have to say how much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hanging in here. Yeah, it, yeah. And it's actually of Ace Freely. The, the painting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. There's and uh, Paul was very nice. And even what I didn't know was before we got to meet him, that he was signing, he would sign another item. And I just had his solo album or CD in, in my wife's car. And I, I, we were at the other end of the mall. I ran down to the, to the car and and back and it it was i must have taken it out of the car like a week or two before 
because I would have had him sign that. Yeah. Or I would have brought something like Destroyer. Could have signed your face. Yeah. But he did on black paper on silver, he wrote, I forget what the note says. So he did write a little, got a little note and so it was. Yeah, yeah very cool. Uh, Eric, uh, Eric, it's been great. You've given us so much of your time. It's been great talking to you and uh, love the stories. Uh, last story on uh, Paul Stanley, right? Yeah. Meeting him. Uh, and uh, the Sweden connection, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know about Sweden and Germany. So uh, great to hear about yep. that. Do you know, do you know who um, Chris Clafford is? Do you know Chris Clafford? He's a Swedish no. singer. He won Swedish Idol like maybe six, seven years ago. You know what? I don't pay attention to Idol. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's although although actually well it was Swedish Idol, won, so we went you know get, Swe- get Swedish that. Idol, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, we no, I really don't I don't I yeah. pay attention to no Idol. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but I it's am, Sweden I, and he's known in Sweden. That's why we asked. Yeah. Yep. My life is an Idol free zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Although, although, oh, I don't watch the, that either. The, the, the woman that won Idol this year is a friend of mine. Oh, okay. I was very happy that she won. Yeah, I stopped yeah, watching that actually. years yeah. ago. But 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 what's what's but, your connection with Chris? Well, no, my wife, my wife, um, huge fan of Chris Clafford. That's how I found out about him. And he was on America's Got Talent. That's where she saw him. Yeah. And because he's Swedish, he looks like a Viking. Yeah, yeah, it does look so kept trying to to get him for an interview and finally i was sitting there the one night i got an email and, and his publicist was like oh chris said he can do the interview i had forgotten about it and i told my wife it's the first time my wife was excited about the podcast because i always talk about <laughs> <Yeah>. the podcast <laughs> we've been doing it for years yeah. and she never took an interest yeah until she knew i was going to be interviewing chris Clapp. bring on a viking you know check him out because he has an incredible voice, like really different range, ranges. And the song, Take Me to Church, I don't know if you ever heard that song. Yeah. Listen to his version, and it's better than the original. I mean, it's just, his voice is phenomenal. I don't, he's one of those people where, he, why isn't he more well-known? Mm-hmm. And I know he lives in yeah. Sweden, so. Yeah, a whole bunch of those. Yeah. Thinking. Chris, I'm, I'm looking this, I'm looking this up right now. But, okay, so why were you in, in Stockholm for three weeks? my wife years ago my wife found out she's part swedish and she, it always intrigued her to go to sweden mm-hmm. and we 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 went before covid we went for i think we went for 10 days and then uh she wanted to go again yeah i i thought it was a little too much three weeks but well, hopefully she enjoyed it was kind of cool because you'd feel like you're living there then you know <laughs> And, <laughs> and, like you, like you and most of the people speak English. My wife was learning Swedish. She said she could, um, I think she could read Swedish more than she could understand. She'd understand some word, you know. It takes a while, but. I'm still somewhat handicapped. Like I can't, can't listen to the radio. It goes too fast and I can't see the lips moving. Uh-huh. I'm also hearing damaged, of course, you know. But uh, what time of year were you there? That's that's a big thing. We were there during the summer, like August. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we going, had a good I'm going time. over there. Uh, we're going over for the holidays. It's, it's dark. Yeah. It must be uh, okay. tougher, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, sunrise, 930, sunset, 230 kind of thing. Oh, wow. Oh. 
it's tough. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so much for your time, Eric. It's been great getting to know you. Okay. Love talking to you. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Likewise. Have a, have a good rest of the day. Thank you. Uh, you Peace out. Too. All right. Bye -bye. Thank you. listening to No Good Music. Today's interview was produced and edited by Rob J. Lilly and recorded via Zoom at the Did You Say 7 Studios in Washington, New Jersey. You can find No Good Music on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, and almost anywhere you listen to podcasts. Exit music by the band 99%. The songs Day by Day, Henry Dance, Johnny B, Pete Rose, and Why Won't You Call Me Back? Use with permission from Eric Bazilian.